0: When the girls realize it's almost time for their friend's annual summer kickoff party, they then also realize they need to get into shape for said party. As they sit around the table commiserating, they try to come up with new ways of losing weight quickly by revisiting other attempts they've made at improving their appearance in the past. So join us as we join the girls as they give aerobics a try, seek self-esteem with a new hairdo, and reject a new way of thinking brought to them by Stan. Will the girls lose the few pounds they feel they need to? Will Sophia find her missing pound? Will we as a culture ever stop valuing ourselves based on our appearance? All of that and more in today's episode Rights of Spring. Thank you for the friendship We've come so far and traveled wide Oh, you're my best friends I could never Love when we call. Today's title is inspired by the 1913 ballet and orchestral concert by Russian composer Igor Stravinsky, The Rite of Spring. The story is about the renewal of Mother Earth that occurs during spring. There's a romance that ends once a virgin is chosen to dance herself to death in order to make that renewal take place. Sounds pretty fun and lighthearted. Hold on to your big old juicy booties because we're about to dive into the late 80s world of body shaming, diet culture, and basically making us feel like we're hanging out with our own mothers and grandmothers, unless that's just me. That is to say, this episode requires a bit of a trigger warning as it is all about the value of a person, especially a woman, compared to the number on the scale. As Dorothy in beige pants and a periwinkle yellow and green blouse comes into the kitchen to start her day, she's surprised to find Sophia in her favorite pastel plaid dress sitting at the table already and she's eating ziti. You know, pasta, meat, sauce, cheese. Not the most traditional breakfast, but I don't judge. Dorothy is shaken by the breakfast pasta, so Sophia comforts her. No, it's not pasta. It's the hottest new cereal from Nabisco, Zitio's. An idea that I, as a pasta lover, am not opposed to. At my mom's old bar slash restaurant, I kind of forced them to create a breakfast pasta for the brunch menu. So it was pasta with a cheesy hollandaise sauce and a poached egg. My mouth is watering just thinking about it. But again, maybe that's just me. Dorothy might be confused, but Sophia is worried. She weighed herself, and it seems that she may be dissolving right before their eyes. For the first time in half a century, she isn't 99 pounds. She's 98. The confusion continues because Dorothy doesn't understand the big deal about one pound. Sophia thanks her daughter, who she refers to as the French philosopher, scientist, and mathematician René Descartes. The way he did the maths basically created science, algebra, and geometry as we know it. So Sophia is basically saying that Dorothy's subtraction of one pound is equally impressive. Gaslighting her mother's concerns, Dorothy cannot be bothered by all of this drama for one single pound. Well, it might not matter to her, but for Sophia, it's a big deal. For 50 years, her weight hasn't changed at all. Now, some fans might say, ah, but in a future episode, she claims that when she was pregnant with Phil, she gained 40 pounds. However, as we'll learn next season, for reasons I can't get into as to not spoil for Coco, we know that Phil is at this time 54 years old. So for Sophia, the 99 pounds has been her post baby weight. Thank you. Floating into the room like an angel dressed in her grandmother's off-white and polka-dotted nightgown that goes from toes to throat is Blanche. She greets Dorothy and Sophia, but since Sophia didn't recognize herself without that pound, she doesn't even know who Blanche is talking to. Unbothered by Sophia's possible dementia, Blanche has more pressing matters to address with Dorothy. They only have two weeks until their friend Phyllis's iconic beach party, which means they only have two weeks until they have to wear bathing suits in public. To estimate what kind of work lays ahead of her, Blanche puts on last year's bikini, and she's currently wearing it under her nightgown. Opening up the dress like an old-timey flasher, she asks the girls if she can pull off the bikini, meaning get away with wearing it. Implying it might be a bit tight, Dorothy tells her she can't pull it off, and she'd actually be surprised if she could cut it off. Quick news flash for all of the Blanches, the young me, the mothers and the grandmothers in our lives you can pull it off. Whatever it is, it's a yes. The answer is always yes. If you like how it looks, you like how you feel in it, you can pull it off. Be damned to anyone who wants to say you can't because of your size or your style. I swear, if you were to measure it, most of the time that I've spent in conversations throughout my entire life with other women, it would be about looks It would be about her clothes, how she feels in her clothes, how she feels about her body, what diet she's on now, how much weight she's lost or gained, how someone else looks and why it's bad. And frankly, I have had it. Death to diet culture in 2024. Coco, I'm curious as a man and as someone who used to have weight issues, do you have, I'd love to hear a male perspective of diet culture or the pressure that so often is seen or talked about more from the female perspective.
1: I've always struggled with my weight. I still do a bit, but not as not as badly. When I was growing up, I did, I think I did Weight Watchers for a little bit, maybe with my mom and, or Jenny Craig, maybe. I think it was Jenny Craig.
0: I think Jenny Craig had the food, right? Yes. Like it had the meal plan and you would go weigh like Weight Watchers. Yeah. So
1: I did that and that was that was fine. It helped a little bit, but it never felt not that I needed that, but it was just like not didn't it was not targeted at men males so it was always like it was just me a young boy <laughs> and a bunch of like adult women mm. so uh, i didn't love it yeah and uh yeah i felt like a like a like a big fatty my whole life mm. i think i might have said this before but there's a movie called angus that came out in the 90s oh
0: yeah i remember angus
1: and then i forget who i don't know who it was but someone started calling me that in high school oh Even though, no,
0: no, Mm -mm. not at all. No,
1: he was a bowl cut boy, very. But he also, you know, wins in that movie. He really, he he gets the girl. He's like, I think he's the not the prom. Maybe it is the prom king. It all happens for Angus. (laughs) And you're like, thank you. Yeah, I am Angus. (laughs) Greg,
0: (laughs) 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 take that. I ain't all the way to the top, baby. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Dorothy's not so nice response to Blanche might be coming from the fact that she doesn't often get a chance to cut Blanche's ego down a little. And it's hard to pass up such an opportunity. Instead of just implying Blanche might have gained the weight, they can prove it. Sophia can help. She's got the scale right there handy for some horrible reason. Happily, Blanche takes the devil's measuring tool and, while still in kitten heels, steps up. Once she sees the number and becomes upset, she quickly steps down. It doesn't help that Sophia was looking on and responded to the bouncing needle with a whoa. Comforting her friend, Dorothy tells Blanche to just give herself a spring tune-up, something Dorothy herself isn't really in need of. Wanting her friend to feel as bad as she does, Blanche dares Dorothy to take to the scale herself. Shockingly, Dorothy isn't barefoot here, so perhaps her tiny sandals are adding to the number. A number that newly arrived in pink pants, a pink sweater with green diamonds, and a white blouse wearing rose is confused to see, as she thought the scale had to go past zero to hit whatever totally reasonably low number Dorothy is on the scale. I mean, just look at the four bodies in this room and how they are all comparing themselves to the same literal scale. Sophia is about a foot shorter than her daughter, and she clearly has a small frame. Dorothy is tall, broad-shouldered, and looks like she's meant to have a little more weight on her, which, of course, she doesn't even have. Then there's muscular Blanche and big bazoomba Rose. They shouldn't all be at the same number. That would be ridiculous. Embarrassed, Dorothy thinks the scale is broken still riding high after her bullying of Blanche's boobies from last week rose thinks that it was dorothy stepping on the thing that broke it although she doesn't know what anyone is talking about well i guess that's not really unusual dorothy wrangles rose into the pit of despair and asks her to take to the scale with a smile rose dismisses the offer she doesn't need a scale to tell her she knows she never gains weight This claim only adds to the fire of curiosity for Blanche and Dorothy, and they pressure her into it. As she steps on, she claims she's the same size she was on her wedding day, which, after multiple children, losing a husband, going through menopause, and just living life, is a ridiculous idea. As the number goes up, the girls are supportive of their friend. Just kidding. They're all looking on, and when the needle finally stops, they let out a chorus of moos. Oh boy. These ladies are so casual about this scale. When I was doing Weight Watchers and it was a weighing day, I had a full system worked out. I wore my lightest clothes or I would change into shorts and a tank top when I got there. I took off my shoes. I would pee and try to poo the second before I went to the scale and I would stop eating and drinking at lunch. Very healthy.
1: That sounds like something you could maintain forever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a great lifestyle choice. Yeah, it's up it's upstairs is the yeah. big change. Up in the up in your mind. That's right.
0: Giggling off the abuse the girls all experienced and handed out, this leads Blanche to declare that they will all start working on their bodies so they can lose weight before the party. Sure, they could lose a couple pounds the first week if they were really strict and lost some water weight but the next week they'd probably lose maybe a pound. So I'm not sure that those five to 10 pounds are gonna be worth all of this, but all right. The first suggestion for their journey into weight loss comes from Rose, who thinks they should try a health club, aka a gym. But they've tried that before and well, it didn't go well, didn't go well, didn't go well. Arriving to a health club, which if I had to guess is being called that because it's not a traditional gym, but they didn't want to pay for the rights to call it a jazzercise facility, which are not only real places, but they are still in business. The Portland area has several of them. What? Coco, should we go take a jazzercise class? Yeah.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I don't want to do that.
0: It's like aerobic dancing.
1: Do they still use that style of music, or is it modern? I don't want modern Jazzercise. I want it from then.
0: I want the original. Yeah.
1: Jane Fonda style.
0: Well, if I had to guess, they're probably trying to stay relevant. With the name Jazzercise? (laughs) The ladies enter and don't look prepared for working out. Blanche is in a magenta pantsuit and kitten heels, Rose is in the blue version of Blanche's outfit, And Dorothy is in her substitute teacher day-to-night outfit. By daytime, she's teaching art in her baggy black pants, white blouse, and long vest with polka dots inspired by Blanche's nightgown. By night, she's partying at an Indigo Girls concert. Rose likes the look of the place, but Blanche is not happy that there aren't any men like at the other gym they went to. What was to like, Dorothy asks. That gym was just a bunch of hot people in tight clothes running around trying to hook up and giving out phone numbers. Blanche is defensive. She wasn't in a skimpy outfit, and she left with a ton of phone numbers. As the girls stand around with their huge bags, a young, fit, brightly dressed woman approaches them. Annoyed she isn't able to flirt with men, Blanche implies that this is what they get for not being at a co-ed establishment. The woman clarifies that she's an employee of the place. Apologizing for her friend, Rose puts her newly learned vocabulary to use, telling her that they just thought she was a lesbian. I mean, I've never known any personally, but isn't Annie Thomas one? (laughs) Properly embarrassed, the girls move on and Dorothy takes over, asking Yvonne, the employee, about signing up. When she asks what they're looking for, it's pretty simple. They don't want anything extreme, just to be able to drop a couple of pounds, fit into their summer wardrobe fit into their winter wardrobe, heck, even their bathrobe. Pleading for her help, Yvonne tells them that they should look into aerobics as it's low impact and is what helps her stay in shape. Blanche isn't so sure it will work for Rose and Dorothy as they are so much older than she and Yvonne. Ever the salesperson, Yvonne tells them that aerobics is great for stretching all of the muscles in her body, something Blanche has a lot of experience in. After the age comment, Dorothy is happy to point out that having Blanche's legs stretched out of the sunroof of a car does not count as the same kind of stretching. Yvonne moves on, telling them that a class at their level is about to start, so the first thing they need to do is get the proper attire. Playing Yvonne is Hilary Shepard. Acting since 1982, you may have seen her in 40-Year-Old Virgin, CSI, Crossing Jordan, S-Club 7 in L.A., Roswell, Diagnosis Murder, Power Rangers in Space, Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, Adams Family Reunion, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, Full House, Murphy Brown, Family Ties, Friday the 13th TV series, and the best movie ever, Theodore Rex. Besides acting, she has produced a film and written music for Star Trek, Tough Guys, Out of Bounds, and... True Beverly
1: Hills.
0: In those huge bags the girls are carrying are their workout outfits of sweats. Yvonne, Nike, Adidas, and every other activewear company, those old sweats and sneakers just won't get you in the shape you want to be. So they better buy those new sneakers she's offering for just $85. That seems like a reasonable price today for nice sneakers, but it's not. That was in 1989. Today, those shoes would be $215, which I guess is what shoes go for with, you know, all the sneakerhead kids. I don't know anything about that, obviously. The ladies laugh off the price at how exorbitant, or if you're rose, expensive they are. Yvonne, the sales queen, agrees with them but reminds them they're taking their health seriously. Always one to want the best and to be trendy, Blanche is happy to get them. But that's not all. She also wants to sell them full body suits that go up their crack, a warm-up outfit that is somehow different from their sweats, wristbands, headbands, leg warmers. It's the last one that sends Dorothy over the edge. Leg warmers? Sure, they've been seen on ballet dancers for quite some time, but for doing some basic aerobics? Leg warmers do serve an actual function besides being fashionable. Before working out, wearing them as you stretch can allow for your muscles to warm up and relax, making it less likely that you'll injure yourself. I am a little worried about Yvonne's understanding of their purpose as she asked what keeps Dorothy's thighs warm. Where is she wearing her warmers? They are for the calves, you know. Besides, Dorothy doesn't need them. She keeps her legs warm with the friction of them rubbing together, which is why they're there to work out in the first place. Something Coco and I are well aware of. In
1: high school, I ran through so many pairs of Dockers. Oh, Dockers. Just eating that crotch, those those little thigh areas together. Yeah, it's like
0: not even the crotch. It's like right past the crotch on the thigh.
1: They weren't cut right. Mm-mm. And so there was a lot of rub. Mm-hmm. And I had... Bigger thighs yeah. and a juicy booty.
0: <laughs> that's I can attest to that. I saw a picture yesterday. Oh yeah, and oh, that's true. Big old dumper. Getting back into her hardcore salesperson gear, Yvonne dismisses the girls, realizing that if they won't spend hundreds of dollars on her outfits, then they must not really want to lose weight. Good thing that idea died off in the nineties. <laughs> With that push, Blanche and Dorothy are swayed into spending the big bucks, but Rose is me and she is more than content with her sweatsuit and PF flyers, which are sneakers that look very similar to Converse. As Rose heads off to get changed, Blanche and Dorothy quickly agree with Yvonne that Rose just isn't as serious as they are. Seeing she's got a bite on her bait, Yvonne continues to add to the list of needs, nay, requirements. They'll need a new gym bag because theirs are not new, a new water bottle because theirs are not Stanley cups and brands are all that matter when hydrating. They'll also need vitamins and a sports bra to keep the Golden Globes from jiggling. This confuses Blanche as the jiggle is the whole point of having boobies. Dorothy agrees to the full package and we're off to the workout room. There we find a group of women who, like Rose, did not fall for Yvonne's upsell. It's a sea of sweats and rose in her gray suit and what look like keds instead of flyers is fitting right in. As Coco said, she looks like she's dressed like Rocky. As she stretches along with the other gals, Dorothy and Blanche catch up to her. They've got their bedazzled outfits from white sneakers to four-inch tall white leg warmers up to Dorothy's black leggings, white t-shirt and black oversized and over-dazzled tank top and a black headband. Along with Blanche's gray one piece pantsuit and oversized black vest and white headband, together they are quite the sight and they stand out like shiny but sore thumbs. The Shimmer sisters quickly realize that they've been had, and even Rose takes the opportunity to be snarky, earning a Shut Up Rose from both of them. As she comes jogging in, we learn Yvonne isn't just a good salesperson. Well, I guess she's not that good, since out of the entire room, she did only sell two outfits. Anyway, she's also the instructor for the class, picking up the energy of on cheers and woos as all the regular attendees take to their places. Starting with a number 17, the spread eagle, the girls are all stretched out. Dorothy's feeling a bit tighter than Blanche, which is no surprise, and she's struggling a bit more than her to really lean into that stretch no surprise there either. After that very short stretch, it's time to get moving. This class is pure chaos, and I love it. Yvonne starts by shouting, whirlybirds, and twirling both her arms around her sides like propellers. The class follows, and it's amazing no one is hurt. In what might be B's best performance, she actually has a big smile on her face as she shouts out, jackhammer! and starts to jump while pumping her hands down as if she was holding the cement-busting tool. She really looks like she's enjoying it. Next up is the windshield wipers, wherein you swing your arms at the elbows and make wipers out of them. Taking a moment, we watch Blanche and Rose as they really start to get into it. There are smiles all around. Maybe this wasn't such a bad idea. Next, Yvonne hollers out, Charlie Horse! Poor Rose is the only one that also grabs her leg and also shouts out Charlie horse, unaware that Yvonne is actually suffering from a cramp in her leg, which is the most common location for the sudden cramping. Yvonne might need more leg warmers to lay off exercise, to drink more water or eat a banana. All of that might help. Coco, have you ever been a victim of Charlie and his horse?
1: I was in my friend's pool. When I was in my twenties and we were all, you know, drinking in the pool. And I guess I was dehydrated. I just put that together. <laughs> but it was a pretty deep pool. It was like eight or maybe ten feet deep. And I went all the way to the bottom, like I like, to sit on the bottom. And then I I I got on like a squat position and I launched with you know with my legs. And both of my calves <gasps> went Hee! and I had to like like dog paddle to like try to oh get my to the god. surface.
0: And I was like, oh, oh my god. <sighs> Yeah. Did they help you? Didn't Did they need get it. you out?
1: Didn't need it. I saved myself. Wow. No, I didn't need it. It wasn't like that. It was just like I got I got to the surface. It was like ah! <laughs> and I made it to the steps and yeah, I was fine. Drank more beer, got more dehydrated. <laughs> but yeah. I'm rubbing my you, I'm rubbing my calf eaten? right now. I'm probably and we were doing this was the day that we were doing beer bongs, you know, drinking like uh-huh. out of pool noodles. <laughs> So it would just pour the beer in the top of the pool noodle and it would just rock it into your tummy. It was, oh, it was so yummy.
0: For those that experience Charlie Horses, one of the best remedies in the moment is if you can, you reach back and pull your toes back. Straighten your leg out, pull those toes back. As everyone else runs to Yvonne's aid, Blanche and Dorothy have to educate Rose as to what is happening. Back at the kitchen, we realize it wasn't the outfits or the cramping that hindered their weight loss. It was due to, well, we don't know actually. Blanche just bemoans that they spent all that money and only went there twice. Maybe if they explored why it was they didn't go back, they could have made it work for them. Still worried about her one pound, Sophia's focusing on dessert by making a family favorite the double fudge amaretto ricotta cheesecake. Even though the ingredients are in the name, Rose would love to know what's in it. Fully ignoring the question, Sophia gets back to stirring, hopeful the sweets will help with her weight. But as someone who is trying to lose weight, Dorothy doesn't want to hear her go on and on about gaining. With all she's been eating, Dorothy is sure that Sophia is back to her ideal weight. To prove her wrong, Sophia hops on the scale. She is still 98 pounds, and she's not appreciative of the assumption Dorothy made as if she was the amazing Creskin. The magician slash future teller that we've spoken about several times before. Just a two, it could be a two, it could be a four, it could be a seven. It could we'll be have a jack. you can the weather right now. Yeah. You, you can't drop the coins. You, just, you can't just cut the coin. In fingers. 40 years of this, I've never anyone. had anyone this has never happened. not do this. Well, no, the, we can't cut. The trick isn't. All left. right. We'll see I, I asked, yes, it's it. going to be at the Roanoke Civic Center. Center. All I asked at, at, at the auditorium, this is the first time in all the years of television, is ever, all you had to do was <laughs> to let a <laughs> too, coin too relax like this. You see, all you had to do is to see how easy it, you to let go of it. You could not separate your fingers. It was impossible to do that. Hearing that Sophia only weighs 98 pounds, Blanche wonders aloud when the last time was that she weighed that little. To the best of her recollection, it must have been back when she was in college. In a bit of a science goof, Dorothy asks if Blanche went to college on Jupiter, implying the change of gravity would have allowed for a low weight. However, Jupiter has a gravity that is 2.4 times that of Earth because the planet is mostly made of gases. So if she weighed 100 pounds on Earth, she would actually weigh 240 pounds on Jupiter. That is if you had a scale with you and could find somewhere to stand. Now, if she went to school on Mars, she would have been one-third of what she weighed on Earth. Maybe that's why so many people are trying to move there. Thanks for the info, coolcosmos.edu. All of this complaining is not helping the girls with the problem at hand, and Rose wants to know what they're going to do about looking good for the party because, you know, they all look like trash right now. Giving up on the gym idea, Dorothy says that they'll just have to be really strict about what they eat. As long as they stick to it, even when they are hurting from hunger pangs, they'll do okay. Yes, because pain means you're doing it right. Just as the last word of her sentence leaves Dorothy's mouth, Sophia offers the spoon she just used to make the cake for Lickens. It's a three-way tie between the girls as to who gets to have it. Realizing they might not have the willpower needed, Dorothy makes another suggestion. Instead of a diet or exercise, perhaps they can trick people by getting their hair done. An idea Blanche immediately shoots down. They've tried that before when they went to that awful, awful, awful... Walking through the door of the hair salon is Sophia in a green dress with Dorothy in her gray culottes and a magenta baggy sweater and Flesh Boot sighting! Rose is in dark slacks with matching button-up under a white cardigan decorated with a print of Scotty dogs, and Blanche is in a new and fabulous sort of tie-dye, sort of watercolor blue and green sweatsuit with gold accents and kitten heels, and right away they are all feeling pretty unsure about being there. Rose is nervous as she hasn't had her hair professionally done in ages, which is why, according to Sophia, it looks like cotton candy. Blanche takes Rose's side. They're all on edge. Getting your hair done is a big deal, and on top of that, they're getting it done for a special occasion, so it has to be perfect. Dorothy's out of there. She's realized that the only other customers are older women, and they aren't that old. Then, from the curtains at the back of the room enters a handsome man with dyed hair and a goatee. When he asks whose hair he's washing next, they are all suddenly all the sluts, and say, mine. Which one's a slut? Hi! You may recognize the hairdresser as he is a famous actor who played the actor in the episode the actor. Why, it's Lloyd Bachner. You sir are a dirtbag. Uh, Running up to the hairdresser, proclaiming to be the dirtiest, is Blanche, and she needs to be washed first. Dorothy doesn't care about the order or making this guy uncomfortable. Grabbing her own face in shock as she tells him how gorgeous he is which he quickly agrees with eduardo is his name and doing hair is his game when rose brings up that they need to make sure that they have good hair for the event they're attending eduardo is not concerned why once he has run his tender hands through a woman's locks he reveals the sensual breathtaking goddess of beauty she really is he had wanted to put that guarantee on his signage but they charged by the letter before working on the girls he asked them what they're looking for Blanche brought in a reference picture. He looks at it, but doesn't think it fits her. She's saucy, sexy, an Audrey Hepburn, if you will. It's hard for Blanche to believe that this man can change her look and make her that much hotter just by cutting her hair. Ah, but for Eduardo, cutting hair is like sex. The two involved must have comfort, respect, trust, and a movable chair. (coughs) With that, Blanche is on board and is happy to be the clay he will mold to be the America to his Columbus. Discover me, Ramon, just discover me. Using her sexy voice, Dorothy pulls Eduardo aside to ask what she'll be getting from him. He likes her face, it's strong, it's got good bones. Why, she could be a Greek goddess. As she looks in the mirror with delight, Dorothy says, go on. But not as if she were dismissing the compliment, she really wants him to go on with more of that sweet talk. Sophia won't let Eduardo be forced to continue talking that way. It was hard enough for him to say it the first time without laughing. And now Rose. No, she isn't a Greek goddess. She's more of a Mother Earth type. She's gentle, sweet, and super sexy just below the surface. She's relieved to hear she's sexy, as she was worried she was actually gassy. Now that he's given each girl their summary, he tells them all to sit back, relax, and prepare to go through the other side, much like Alice in Wonderland, for an adventure of self-discovery awaits. Since Sophia regularly sees Eduardo, she can tell, with all of the blabbering he's doing, that he's been sucking back on Grandpa's cough medicine again. You fellas been doing a bit of boozing, have you? Sucking back on Grandpa's old cough medicine? No. Oh, no, sir. Oh, no. No. Oh, no. Uh, With that, it's time to get to work. With a flash forward, we find the girls tucked under their dryers. Blanche is already feeling a difference, even if she does look like a creature from Star Trek. After a few what's? Huh? Back and forth, Eduardo comes in and tells them the good news. It's time to see the amazing work he has done. After he lifts each dryer, we get a close-up of Rose, then Dorothy and Blanche. That's when we realized the reason Sofia loves Eduardo is because he gives everyone the same short curly hairdo, a look that only Sofia can pull off and a look only Sofia would see as being genius. Let's be honest, though. There have been a few episodes in past seasons where Blanche's perm doesn't really look that much different from the wig she's sporting here. I'm sorry for the shade, but it wasn't that bad.
1: That's why it took me a second to get the joke. Oh, right. I didn't get it until it cut for the commercial break. I was like, oh, I see. They all have Yeah, because it's wig. like,
0: oh, okay. He gave Blanche her perm Yeah, back. she has a perm. Dorothy's wearing her when she's playing her own grandma wig. <laughs> <laughs> and Rose's hair, it's not really working.
1: <laughs> but great wig work. I loved yeah, it. It that's was very fun. funny.
0: I liked picturing the back room where they probably had like an array of wigs for the sizes and stuff mm-hmm. to see what would work.
1: I feel that they probably had a good laugh when they all three oh, or all yeah. four of them had those wigs on. It was Oh, probably yeah. Very funny doing some like posed photos yes. where they all have their head off to one side <laughs> on each other's shoulders. I hope so. <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, Sophia will not apologize for the recommendation. The girls looked stunning. When Rose points out that they didn't even look like themselves, Sophia is confused as to why that's a bad thing. Still sitting around, Dorothy is frustrated that Sophia is making jokes while they're all still worried about losing weight. The only suggestion Sophia can make is that she wishes they were in Sicily. If they were there, she would just call Nico. He was the ugly guy in town who was also available for parties. Standing next to Nico would make even the most hideous person look gorgeous. Not only did the hiring party pay through the nose, Nico gave his change from there. Not wasting time with the hire an ugly guy as your date plan, Rose brings up a healthy alternative. Instead of obsessing over what other people think, they could just change how they perceive themselves. One problem Dorothy brings up, they've already tried one of those personality updating classes. Neither Blanche nor Dorothy are interested in trying that again, that again, that again. On the couch in her pink nightgown and pink plaid robe is Dorothy, and she is frustrated. When Sophia in her yellow robe comes into the room, she can tell something is up and inquires as to what has Pussycat's panties in a pinch. Well, it's only by a few cents, but Dorothy cannot balance her checkbook. I feel like there was at least one day a week, usually on the weekend, that my mother would sit and balance the checkbook. It seemed like the most important thing to do, and it took forever. This was before we even had computers, dear children. And even once we had the computer that could do the basic calculations and had spreadsheets, my mom still spent hours on it, probably because she shopped so much. And it seemed like it was the most stressful and upsetting thing a person could do. Again, probably because she shopped so much. Thankfully, in this day and age, I can just pull up my phone and look at my account and know right away that I don't have any money. Actually, I don't even need my phone for that. For those who don't know what a checkbook is, balancing one means that you would go through all of your payments for the week, depending on how often you did it, and you would add it all up. So when you wrote out a check at the grocery store, you would put it on the checkbook record and say, oh, Albertson's $80. And then you would go add that all up and put that with your credit card statements and bank statements. And then you would find out probably also that you had no money left over. So hopefully that explained it for you, Coco.
1: Having to write a check on the spot at a cash register at a counter, checkout counter, is one of the most anxiety-inducing things.
0: Nothing took longer at the grocery store.
1: And my mother only paid with a check at the grocery store. My mother as well. Oh, and then then Mom's got to find her Ralph's Club card.
0: (sighs) I swear it's on this keychain. With that motivational speech, Dorothy's willing to give the checkbook another try, even if it is the thing she hates the most. Well, now that she's opened the front door after the bell rang and she sees Stan, she realizes balancing a checkbook might be in second place. Coming into the house in his jeans, plaid shirt, and tan dad windbreaker, Stan introduces himself, but then makes a correction. He's not just Stan, he's the new Stan, as they should all be able to tell from his radiating glow, a glow Sophia attributes to his bald head reflecting the porch light. Before Stan can explain why he's there, Blanche, in a beautiful satin purple robe with pink flowers, and Rose, in a not so beautiful light blue terrycloth robe, have entered the living room as they were optimistic there would be someone handsome there after hearing a man's voice. Uh, But it's just Stan. Everyone is disappointed except for Stanley. He's all hyped up after finishing a life-changing seminar, and he wanted to tell those he's closest with, leaving Rose confused as to why he's talking to them. Good one, Rose. The group is called Realizations, and based off the name alone, Dorothy already has Stan's number. She assumes the seminar was about moving beyond any past issues so you can discover your full potential, all in just two days. She was pretty close with her guests, but this one was three days. Humoring him, Blanche asks what Stan got from it. Well, too much to share here and now, but at the core of it was learning what makes Stan tick why he can't commit to women or friends or a job, why he consistently fails. Sophia doesn't need a seminar to answer that. It's because he's an idiot, or in her words, a schmo. To everyone's surprise, Stan agrees. It's almost like he realized he was the problem, not everyone else around him. Rose is no longer interested in hearing about this, but Stan can't stop himself. He's never felt so free, so open to loving whomever he wants. Just like he did after he had a little snip-snip of a vasectomy as to not have any more children. All of this mockery doesn't upset Stan. He has learned a lot in this seminar, like that the bullying being done is not meant to hurt him directly, so he'll brush it off and give them another chance. As we say in my therapy group, hurt people hurt people. To make her feelings clear, Sophia gives Stan a direct, I hate you, so perhaps she needs a third chance. Continuing with his natural salesmanship, Stan asks for all the girls to enroll in Realizations, which is met with a resounding no. Well, he's not going to take that. He has to get them to sign up. He's never felt so accepted, like a member of a community. And if he doesn't sign them up, the cult, I mean the multi-level marketing scam, I mean the group he's in, will kick him out. In tears, Stanley gets on his knees and grovels for Dorothy to sign up, So she agrees to a conversation. Inviting the girls in on the convo, drinks, and snacks, Blanche says that she'll get ready to go out, but she doesn't need to. He's only invited them to their own kitchen, where he hopes he'll find a cheesecake. Using what he's learned with realizations, he points out that she's very angry and untrusting. He'll be working with them for a while, so he'll also need a steak. After kicking Stan out of the house, Blanche is perturbed that he, the ultimate loser, would think that he could help them with anything. Rose disagrees. She thinks that he did have at least one good idea, having cheesecake. Being forced to interact with Stan always leaves the girls and us, the viewers, wondering how Dorothy ever ended up not only married to him, but for so many years. Well, she asked the girls to imagine a man with muscles, beautiful hair, and 20 pounds of less weight. Not because that's what Stan looked like, but she wanted to cleanse their palates after dealing with him and have them picture a hottie. Someone she never encountered, because if she had, she never would have been stuck with Stan. With I hate you still lingering in the air, it's actually Sophia who thinks aloud that maybe they are too mean to him. Now that she's looking at the brochure he left, she is seeing some promising ideas. Except for oh boy, the man on the cover who is waving from a Rolls Royce or very, very fancy car and wearing a turban. I'm not sure if there was a rash of scam groups like this in the 80s, which came from the Middle East, or if that visual turnoff is just based in racism, but yikes. Blanche won't hear it. She will not be conned into that group. Sophia does interest Rose when she reads, an unexamined life is a life not worth living, a quote by Socrates who we mentioned a few episodes back. Except in this case we aren't talking philosophy, we're talking about a turban-shaped nightlight that you can order with that phrase printed on them. Oh boy. With a tone of frustration, Dorothy can't stand that those swamis are just out for a buck. Okay, that gets an oh boy. Swami is a title of honor given in the Hindu religion. Swami is used before or after the person's name after they have been inducted into a religious order or chosen the path as a religious educator. So it's pretty darn racist to lump an entire group of people into those who are just out for a buck. After Dorothy's fit about how swamis can't teach anyone anything, Rose is surprised to have learned that, which only serves to make Dorothy's point. Stopping her daughter, not for the racism, but the dismissal of the group, Sophia calls Dorothy Ramdas. He was an American writer, psychologist, yoga guru, and spiritual teacher. When his book, Be Here Now, came out in 1971, it was celebrated for popularizing Eastern culture, such as yoga, in the States. Back to the brochure. Sophia wants to challenge Dorothy's know it allness and asks her to describe her best friend, a question from the brochure. The girls are all very interested in hearing her response. Dorothy takes a brief pause before she starts by saying that her friend is a woman, someone she shares a lot of commonalities with, someone who's attractive. Attractive is a little too vague for Rose and Blanche, so they want to know if the attractive means farmer girl next door or slutty vixen. But Dorothy doesn't clarify. She's attractive. Going on, the friend is a pal and a confidant. Hoping she's the secret holder in question, Rose asks if Dorothy is meaning the time that she told her the secret of when she borrowed Blanche's car, scuffed it, and blamed it on the boy at the grocery store that helped her to the car. That wasn't exactly the secret Dorothy meant. Besides, that ordeal wasn't really a secret so much as it was just forgotten. So Blanche asks if the secret keeping is more like when Dorothy went skinny dipping with Rose's cousin Lars right before he left the church. Yes, that's more of the type of secret Dorothy is talking about. As the girls argue about who Dorothy was referencing as her best friend, she says it wasn't either of them. It was both of them. There's no way that she could choose between those two. This news has Blanche so giddy and tingly she's running off to bed to get under the covers and find out what else is tingling there. (coughs) Now that Blanche is gone, Rose must know if she was the one Dorothy was talking about. Dorothy doesn't say directly but the answer and the story of the dinged car will remain a secret. With Rose and Blanche gone, Sophia calls Dorothy out for lying. She wasn't talking about her girls. She was talking about her. Sophia is her best friend, which Dorothy agrees. She is her best friend, just like how she's Sophia's best friend. Best friend, Sophia scoffs. When you were a teenager, there were friends Sophia liked better than her own daughter. Even now, she's not her favorite child best friend, as if she doesn't have other friends, as if they're so close? Why can't Sophia open her checks or get dinner paid for? Ugh. Back at the kitchen, Blanche laughs off how poorly that went. It didn't help that later Sophia told the girls that she was who Dorothy was talking about, earning her the horribly abusive silent treatment from both Rose and Blanche. It is funny that they started that flashback by talking about how they had already tried a personality class, But really, they were just annoyed at Stan. They mocked the brochure and eventually ended up in a fight because of one question that was asked. Sounds like they could use some therapy, even though that really didn't help all that much back in season three. With a ding, Sophia hops up to get her cake out of the oven. This has Dorothy worried about Sophia's health. First ZD, now cake? A cake freshly out of the oven, which will definitely melt or do some sort of damage to the table she just put it on. This talk gives Blanche an idea. What if it isn't that Sophia has lost a pound, but perhaps she's lost an inch? If she's shrinking with age, that could explain the missing pound. So Dorothy takes Sophia to the doorway at the pantry slash garage, where they just so happen to mark her height as though she was their growing child. However, Shady Pines made the marks for this exact reason to track lost height. Sure enough, Sophia is a little bit shorter so now she doesn't have to worry about gaining weight. Which also means the cake doesn't need to be eaten, which Sophia takes as the girls inviting themselves to partake in said cake. But they simply cannot do that. They have to start dieting now to be able to go to the party. Oh, but that cake looks so good, and it smells so good, and it probably tastes amazing. When Sophia threatens to throw the cake out, the girls quickly stop her. They want the cake and to eat it too. That's when Rose shares some great news. The party isn't two weeks from Saturday. The party is two weeks from Sunday because who doesn't love a party on a Sunday? Well, this means that they have an extra day to blow off dieting and enjoy that cake. The need for a diet can always start tomorrow. With that, the three are on a mission to get forks, fudge, and plates. They have no problem having cake for breakfast. Sophia will grab the butter, which they're going to need to grease the doorway to get everyone out of the room.
1: You can't say that.
0: Coco, first viewing? Definitely. Okay. Thoughts as an episode?
1: Kind of a casserole approach to the sitcom. I like flashbacks. I love any sort of flashback. That's always a fun device. It made me laugh. All the situations made me laugh, but it was uh, just a little thin, Hmm. I thought, but very sweet and um, pretty bad about body images. Yeah, that was a low point for sure. Friends' treatment of each other. It's just... bonkers (laughs) (laughs)
0: but yeah a casserole is a good way to say it because it feels kind of like they had these other ideas and they're like well it's not a full episode it just kind of felt disconnected in that way
1: yeah a a meal can be assembled out of this yeah
0: like someone was like oh what if they went to Sophia's hairdresser and she loves him and he's supposed to be amazing but he can only do this one hairstyle You know, like maybe that was an idea that was thrown out, but then it's not a
1: sustainable idea for a whole episode.
0: Exactly. And so they, it, it did feel like, all right, we're wrapping up the season. Let's get these, you know, these punches in somehow. And then they formed it around it. So on a personal level, the biggest lesson from today's episode is to not value ourselves or others based on our looks or weight. Since this episode aired, so much has been learned about weight gain, how our mental health affects our physical health, and how we can be healthy even if we aren't at our goal weight. Did I used to look amazing at 150 pounds with tiggle bitties? Yeah. And when I was down to 115, forget it. Was I that thin at that time because I was suffering from extreme depression and not really eating? Yeah. So here I am today. I don't know my weight, maybe 215, 220. My body shape and let's be honest consistency has changed through the years and what matters to me is to know that I'm taking care of my mental health and I've never felt healthier. Sure I'd like to be smaller but more importantly I want to make sure I keep moving around so that my body heart and mind stay strong and I can live a long happy life with my future husband over there. So ladies, fellas, everyone, If your mom was like mine who was like her own mother and not only sees health and value in someone's size or how they look in clothes, I'm here to tell you it's not true. You are beautiful and if you want to lose some weight to be healthy, great. Find something that works for you. Aerobics, a haircut, dancing, biking, yoga, whatever. And remember to mix it up. Keep it fun and that you are worth more than your weight. As always, thank you for listening and thank you for being a friend. Be sure to join us next week when we talk Sophia's maternity in foreign exchange. Fat guy in a little coat. (laughs) I had to and I'm sorry. I cannot see you. But it was just so funny that right after we're talking about this, you're saying you're stuck in your coat, and that's all I could hear in my head. And obviously, that's not directed at you. We're just a bunch of little chubby bunnies running around with our little chubby dog.
1: It was a hellscape. <laughs> our power outage.
0: I know. I was thinking too. Uh, you know, we had to I'll listen start... to the radio. <laughs> Comforting her friend, Dorothy tells Blanche to.
1: <laughs> Did you a say little... Chud? Cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. Ah. Starring Daniel Stern. You said something. Chu Chuz, maybe? You're talking chuzz. about cheese? You said Chuzz? Chuz. Rasmatazer size. It's jazzer size. Yeah. Uh that uh hmm. Uh sometimes I miss it. Yeah. That feeling of an ice cold brewski going down <laughs> your neck. <laughs> 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 now I'm funny confident
0: <laughs>
1: that's the next morning yeah pain is weakness leaving the body
0: realizing they might might not well ha. <laughs> well, and i think he's just got some sloppy cheeks
1: oh yeah some sloppy old cheeks yeah Mm-hmm.
0: and maybe it was one of those farts where it's like lots of little bubbles my grampy would have farts. Oh, like I think that, that yeah,
1: he did that too, and those bubbles were rolling up his ass crack. Yes, that's exactly out, what out, it is. Well, up into his tucked-in shirt, yeah, and then out the neck. That's what yeah. you want. Yeah, you want it to come out where the other person is.
0: <laughs> the other day, I was like, you know what? It's like five o'clock or whatever. I can go the rest of the day without negative talk in my head. I'm going till I go to bed. I'm not going to have a negative thought, and I'm going to start feeling a difference. And then within twenty minutes, I was like damn girl you do a lot of negative talk (laughs) it was hard I was like oh wait I shouldn't have said that oh I shouldn't have thought that about that person oh I shouldn't have thought that about myself oh why did I say that in my so I wasn't beating myself up for it I was like girl that's a good experiment it was it was a good one. I'm going to keep so, trying. So
1: unconscious, what you do when you think, yeah, what your mind will just rattle off rattle off. Yeah, to. my
0: it's my brain who's the asshole, yeah. not me.
1: It'll just go on a tirade for a yes, day or I'm a like, month about how big of a piece of crap I am. And I'm
0: just like, oh yeah, I am. Well, I mean, I don't. I that's I don't feel that way. And it's like, yeah, you do. You're yeah, you do. You idiot. are stupid. And it's like, no, really, I've been working on it, and I I get it. I'm okay. Doesn't matter. Why Doesn't don't matter. You die in a fire. Stupid
1: corduroy pants are you kidding me
0: i got two weeks in these things
1: and i'm gonna burn through them it's gonna literally hurt my legs walking home i'm
0: going to burn they are going to catch on fire i used to
1: have i used to have to like put a sal salve on them sometimes
0: oh on your thighs to cool the burn
1: now we do it with our fingers
0: yeah i was at a store last week and it was like use your hand for amazon like Mm -hmm. excuse you
1: Use, oh yeah, the, then they like, have put your. your hand on it. They have your palm print on record. Get out of here, Bezos, framing me for something. Are you kidding me? Frame you for being a well, a smurf with no blue color on. <laughs> I'm worth my weight in gold, baby. That's right. Golden French fries from McDonald's. Oh boy, cooked in lard and <laughs> slathered in ketchup.
0: Always be my sisters is written, hosted, and created by Alicia Holland. Produced and edited by Josh McCullough. Always Be My Sisters is a Cascade Media production. You'll always be my sister.